Hey everyone, welcome to the podcast for the Vineyard Church in Campbellsville, Kentucky. If you haven't already, we encourage you to check out our audio archive at vineyardcampbellsville.org. You can also subscribe on iTunes or wherever you like to get podcasts. And now, here's this week's message brought to you by Senior Pastor Adam Russell. Uh, the title of today's message is Letting Go. That's our series right now. From now until Easter, we're in a series called Letting Go. It's our Lent series. And the title of today's message is Letting Go of Life on My Own Terms. Letting Go of Life on My Own Terms. And I want to jump in and just go ahead and read the text this morning. This is Mark chapter 8, 31 through 38. Maybe you'll remember this. It says this. Then Jesus began to tell them, that the Son of Man must suffer many terrible things and be rejected by the elders, the leading priests, and the teachers of the religious law. He would be killed, but three days later he would rise from the dead. And as he talked about this openly with his disciples, Peter took him aside and began to reprimand him for saying such things. Now, if you have your Bible, underline that. But you might want to do this too. You might want to look at the verses immediately preceding 31. Like just notice, like what's what's the heading before that? Right? Peter gets some stuff right, doesn't he? And now all of a sudden he's getting things really wrong. Okay? Verse 33. Jesus turned around and looked at his disciples and then he reprimanded Peter. So, you know, you reprimand, then you get reprimanded. And he said, get away from me, Satan. You see things merely from a human point of view, not from God's. Then calling, the crowd, then calling the crowd to join his disciples, he said, if any of you wants to be my follower, you must give up your own way, take up your cross, and follow me. If you try to hang on to your life, you'll lose it. But if you give up your life for my sake and for the sake of the good news, you'll save it. And what do you benefit if you gain the whole world, but you lose your own soul? Is there anything worth more than your soul? If anybody is ashamed of me and my message in these adulterous and sinful days, the Son of Man will be ashamed of that person when he returns in the glory of his Father with the holy angels." Uh, that's our text this morning. Uh, title of our message is Letting Go of Life on My Own Terms. Uh, I want to tell you a story uh, really quick. Uh, Heather and I were married very young, maybe too young, actually. Uh, I, I, was, I was barely 21 and she was 19. What that also means is we had children very young, maybe too young. She was like 20, I was barely 23. She was 21. I was barely 23. And, you know, I I still remember the day we found out that we were pregnant and you're like excited. You're like, okay, this, uh, this was the feeling I had in my mind. The feeling I had was, oh, we're, we're like, we're like, we have a real life now. You know, it's like, we're getting on with our real, like, we're adults, you know, that was sort of the feeling I had in my head. And I was like, I was excited. And it's like, you know, then there's also this other thing that's in your head and heart where you're just excited about a a new person is coming, you know? And 
Uh, we were living far away from here at the time. We were living seven and a half, eight hours away. And, and we had Riv and, you know, family comes down and it's like, yay. And then everybody goes home and then you realize you're, you know, essentially eight hours away from your mom and dad and you have this new person and you don't know what to do with it. You know, there's just a lot there. And I remember feeling very unprepared for it. Like very, very unprepared. I think that's normal, by the way. I don't think it matters really how old you are. You're just very unprepared for number one, you know? And then it was a couple years later, we had Seth. And so we're living back here in Campbellsville. And we're living in a little 800 square foot house on West Blue Hole Road. It's me, it's Heather, it's River, and new baby Seth and all of his black hair. He looked like Elvis. He came out looking like Elvis. And we got home. And I remember one day, just with the chaos of like little kids in the house, and maybe Heather and I are a touch too young. And I remember going outside to mow the grass. And I was very happy to go outside and mow the grass because it meant I got to get away from whatever was happening inside. And I remember getting on the lawnmower and this voice from inside of my head that was me, but it wasn't me. Do you know what I'm talking about? This voice from inside of my own head said to me, Adam, you are very selfish. And then I remember having this other voice inside of me agree with it. Yes, I am. (laughs) I think one of those might have been the true me, and one of those was like maybe the Holy Spirit talking to me, right? Has anybody known what I'm talking about? Yeah, And, and I just want to say for those of us who are in the room who maybe haven't had these experiences yet, you want to wake up to who you really are? Get married and have kids. Like literally, you just do that. And all of a sudden, these lights start coming on. In your brain. Yeah. Life has a way of waking you up if you let it. And I just want to be honest with the church right now. Uh, I, I had heard this alarm a few times before in my life, but I hit the snooze button. You know, I had heard that little voice before and I just like, I went, snooze, you know. And that snooze button can last a year. It can, it can be like, snooze. And then you don't hear it again maybe for a year. But that day, it kind of, it went further, it went further in. Um, something about those experiences when your life gets really, really reoriented. It's not gradual. It's not a slow ramp up. Suddenly, you're aware that you've been living life on your own terms and you can't do it anymore. Uh, here's the human dilemma, though, uh, when it comes to life on my own terms. Here's the human dilemma. Uh, The human dilemma is that I really want to live life on my own terms. Like, that's what I want to do. Like, if I'm really honest with you, what I want to do is I want to live life on my own terms. Uh, I want to work on the projects that I want to work on. I I want to work with people that I like for the money that I want. Uh, I want to be free and unencumbered. That's what I want to be. I want to be free and unencumbered. I want the cash to vacation when and where I want. I want relationships and laughter, uh, but without the complications of reciprocity. I I do not want to help anyone move. (laughs) 
I do not want to help anyone move, okay? Uh, I want a God who, uh, who always listens and acts quickly. Uh, I want a God who shares my own opinions. Or as Annie Lamott says, I want a God who hates all the same people that I do. <laughs> right? That's what I want. Uh, I want calories without fat. I want honor without responsibility. I want love without strings attached. I want to win the lottery and not pay taxes. That's what I want. I don't want just the lottery. I don't want to pay taxes. Uh, I want 70 degree days in perpetuity. I just want to click and drag it forward. Copy and paste, just all the way, just like a spreadsheet. I want Fridays without Monday. I want, I want to live life on my own terms. That's what I really want. But then we get to Mark 8, and there's all kinds of stuff that happens in Mark 8. Uh, a few things. Number one, Jesus is on a roll. So if you, if you look at the beginning of Mark 8, like Jesus is on a legit roll. Uh, he begins that chapter by feeding the 4,000. <clears> He's just like multiplying food. Pretty great trick, by the way. Like as tricks go, really great. Feeds the 4,000. Uh, then he fights with the Pharisees. Uh, then he heals a blind man. Just this guy calls out to him. He's like, hey, I got you right here. And then he has this moment with his disciples where he says to them, well, who do you guys say that I am? And the disciples are like, well, some, some people are saying that you're Elijah or maybe one of the prophets. And Jesus is like, well, okay, great. But who do you say that I am? And Peter says, oh, you're the Messiah, the son of God. And Jesus turns to him and says, hey, high fives to you. That didn't come from the inside of your own smart brain. That came from the father in heaven, right? High fives to you, right answer. But then the very next thing that happens is that Jesus predicts that he must suffer and die. Not that he would suffer and die. I hope you notice that in Mark it says that he must suffer and die and that he would be raised again on the third day. And that, kind of, that must have come as a, a kind of a big surprise to everybody who was around him at the moment. A few things you have to understand. Certainly the disciples knew that Jesus was walking on a tightrope of sorts. And here's why. Uh, in the years leading up to uh, Jesus being born and beginning his ministry, like let's just take it back three or 400 years. In that three or 400 year space, many, many proto-messiahs had arisen in Israel, okay? Uh, and here's what happened to all the proto-messiahs who came before Jesus. Uh, I'll give you one guess. Rome was like, hey, we got you. And they just get rid of you. That's what they do. And they do it very efficiently as only the Romans can do. So, so and here's the thing. The disciples knew this. They knew what happened. And, and not only that, but like really recently, uh, if you read the story, what happened to John the Baptist, Jesus' own cousin? A prophet in the wilderness one day and what? Dead the next. Like it just doesn't go well for these prophetic types who want to like revolutionize the world. So the disciples knew that Jesus was walking a tightrope, but this must have come as a surprise when one moment Peter is saying, well, you're the Messiah, the son of God. And by the way, Messiah is a word, it's another word for power, deliverer, 
Like, let's, let's kick some butt and take some names. So it's, it's got to come as something of a bigger surprise when Jesus, the professed Messiah, is saying not that he could suffer some bad moments, but that he must Not only that, but then if you add to that all the things that Jesus had been doing previously, it's like your brain can't hold it, you know? Jesus is saying, I must suffer, I must die. And the disciples are thinking, but you just multiplied the food and you healed the blind guy and you can walk on water and storms obey you and demons leave at your voice like, how? How? Makes no sense. And in that moment, Peter, Peter gives his opinion. He says something to the effect of, that's a no for me, dog. Peter's like, yeah, I don't, I, I'm voting no on that, Jesus. By the way, Mark 8 is, in many ways, it's an invitation to everybody who's a charismatic to a greater level of humility Because in one moment, you can be hearing revelation straight from the Father, and the next, you can be speaking from a devilish perspective. Like, that's one thing we should just take from it. So everybody who thinks they hear God, we should just be like really slow to speak anything we think God might be saying to us. Because the truth is, one moment, you could be right on, and the next moment, you might just be uttering the words of a perspective that isn't wonderful. By the way, Peter thought he was right. So it's kind of an invitation for us all to slow down. Here's what I want to talk about really quickly this morning. I want to talk about three kinds of formation. Uh, Everybody undergoes a few different kinds of formation. And I want to talk to you about those. And really, the last one is an invitation from Jesus to you and I, and it's from the text. The first, the first form of formation that we all undergo is what I would call worldly formation. Uh, it's, it's the formation that happens as the result of the world that we live in. Uh, we've received formation as Westerners. Uh, everybody in here, for the most part, is a Westerner. Most of us, not all of us, most of us are Americans. Many of us are from the American South. And without even having to think about it, you've just received a cultural formation. You know, uh, some of those things that I was sharing with you a moment ago about living life on our own terms, that's not just what I hope for, that's what we hope for. All the time. It's the program that's happening all the time. Uh, we have formation as Americans, we have formation as moderns or, or maybe even postmoderns. Uh, we've all received a formation from the internet. Like the algos, they're training you. They're training me. All the time. It's the water we, slim, we swim in, not slim in. It's the water we swim in. So that's like first formation. Then there's secondary formation. And our secondary formation is our own personal history with God. Uh, maybe, maybe we come close to God and, and we start to see him at work in our lives. Uh, we see what he does to us. Uh, we see what he does through us. And so we have this, this history with God. And it's maybe unique to you. And pretty soon, we assume that's how the world works. So we have like this primary formation that's 
cultural, historic. And then we have this secondary formation that gets laid over top of it, which is our history with God. Uh, maybe, maybe you were far from God and you came to know him. Maybe you had like a radical salvation moment. Or maybe God was just like, has been really kind to you in some very unique and specific ways, which is completely normal and unexpected. Very common, right? And then all of a sudden, we just assume, oh, that's how the world works. This is not only how the world works, but this is how God works. Air quotes for those listening on the podcast. And then that leads us to third formation. There's third formation, and it's the one that comes when Jesus begins to do or say things that run counter to our first and second formation. Uh, One of the things I'm always listening for as a pastor when I'm sitting with people, uh, I'm listening for people when they say things like, oh, God would never do that. And I always think, oh, really? Are you sure? Are you sure? Third formation is the one that comes when Jesus begins to do or say things that run counter to our first and second formation. Uh, Peter couldn't imagine suffering and dying for a Messiah. You know, every, and everything, everything in his Bible and everything that he had seen and experienced from the actual Messiah told him, that's not possible. And then all of a sudden, the actual Messiah says, it must happen. This is a third formation moment. Peter had seen Jesus in action, and now Jesus was saying, it doesn't work like that. And you might be thinking, what doesn't work like that? Well, the real stuff. The real stuff doesn't work like that. Wasn't even supposed to work like that. And so this is our deepest invitation. And at this point, Jesus gives Peter another invitation. He says to Peter, and he says to the crowd, and he says to us in the room this morning, you want to follow me? You want to really follow me? You want to really follow me? And here's, the, here's what I've been hearing from the Spirit all week. Adam, would you like, would you like multiplied bread occasionally, or do you really want to follow me? That's, that's really what I've been reading this whole chapter all week, right? That's what I've been hearing from God. You, you want a few crumbs of bread that you'll eat today and it'll be gone tomorrow, or do you really want to follow me? It's not all multiplied food and blind eyes opening. It might look like suffering and losing for a little while. I want to go back to my story about having kids. Tell you about when it all got better. Here's when it all got better. I actually have, I, I'll just be honest here uh, for a moment. Uh, I've, I've been trying to be honest the whole time. <laughs> um, yeah, here's when it all got better for me. Uh, I can't tell you exactly when, but there was this season and it wasn't immediately after the voice in my head said you're a really selfish person it was it was after that but that was maybe the first little chunk out of the dam you know it was like eh, and the water's coming out um but somewhere in that season afterwards I just had this thought and it was something like this there's no way out of this there's there's no way out of this I, I should lean into it and here's what sucks. And I'll tell you, this is the honest part this morning. What sucks is, is I feel like I came to that a little later than I should have. And the honest to God's truth is, I have some regrets about the first four years that Heather and I had kids. 
I have some. And the Lord has been very kind to me. He gave us Rowan, and I got a chance to have a little redo on those early years, which was a total surprise, by the way. But I have some regrets because I realized those early years were a gift, and I had missed them because I was resisting. I was resisting the invitation to let go of life on my own terms. You know? But when I finally let go of the cultural temptation to continue to live life on my own terms, everything, everything around me as it relates to being a dad and a husband and a father, it all got better. I just let go, you know? Just went, well, I don't do that anymore. I have kids. And this is the better thing. And that doesn't mean I'm a great dad either. It means I'm an earthly father who's highly imperfect, highly imperfect. But it got better for me. It got better for me when I let go of my previous life and actually embraced my new one. It's an upside down kingdom. God's kingdom is an upside down kingdom. That's a very vineyard thing to say, but it means something like this. Kingdom power is not the same as worldly power. Kingdom power supersedes worldly power and somehow like subverts it. It's found by living for others rather than simply living for oneself. That's what Jesus is saying in today's passage. And so here's the Jesus model. And here's what I want to say about the Jesus model that we read this morning in in the passage. Uh, It's not a way to live. It's the way to live, actually. Uh, I've been reminded of this scripture this week. Uh, I think it's from 2 Corinthians chapter 5 where Paul says about Jesus, he that knew no sin became sin that we might become the righteousness of God. What a, what a wonderful thing. And here's what that means. Jesus laid his whole life down for people like me and you who literally didn't have anything to offer back. Uh, Paul also says in Corinthians, he also says that he did this willingly. Paul says in Romans that Christ died for us for us while we were still sinners. Like God gives up his own life. It's not a way, it's the way. Jesus lays down his life and he extends it to the least and the lost. That'd be me and you. And so the question this morning is something like this. Uh, Do you want to find real life? Well, you have to model your life after that. You and I. Now here's what I want to say about that. Uh, You and I are not redeeming the world or the cosmos uh, when we lay down or prefer others. That's Jesus' work. But the model is the model. Uh, the world says something like this. It says, plan for yourself. The world says, make sure you are happy. Be sure to buy a Lexus. Uh, get lean and tan before summer. That's what the world says. Get lean and tan before summer. Uh, it's, it's almost March. You've only got like two and a half months. Uh, the world says, avoid sad feelings. Like avoid, like whatever you got to do, like get some substances, have another drink, avoid sad feelings. But here's the danger. The danger is you could do all of this. You could get lean, you could get tan, you could get all the substances, you could avoid all the sad feelings, you could never let anyone talk you into helping them move. You could have it made and everyone around you would think, man, that person has really done well. They're so tan, they're so fit. They haven't helped anybody move in years. And look at their Lexus. But in the end, 
in the end, you might end up losing and not a little losing, but you might like really lose. Instead, instead the kingdom says something like this, care for children. The kingdom of heaven says care for children. Uh, the kingdom says look after the elderly or check in on your neighbor or invite that new person over. Live for others. And Jesus says specifically, don't avoid the suffering in the world. Last week, we talked about the need to embrace fasting in a culture of feasting. That we're in a season where we could, where we could actually find more by letting go of a few things. Like maybe from now until Easter, it'd be a good time to just fast and let go of some things. Like our culture always says more, more, more. And last week we heard the kingdom invitation to maybe less so that we can make room for more. And this week, this week I think the invitation is to let go of living life on my own terms. Let go of living life on my own terms. The world says arrange things carefully. It says make sure I'm situated in perfect comfort with no strings attached. But Jesus says in Mark chapter 8, turn from our selfish ways and pick up our cross. Jesus is saying, live for others and engage with the suffering of the world. He's also saying this, that your real purpose, your real purpose will be found in carrying the suffering of the world. Like real meaning, real meaning will be found in picking up some of the world's suffering and carrying it as your own, especially the parts that might not be yours. You know, the things you don't have to carry. Like, how many of you understand that Jesus could have been like, ah, it's a no for me, dog. But instead he, he carries it and it's not his cross, it's yours and mine, right? So engage the suffering of the world and here's what I've learned. You probably won't have to look too far. It's probably right around us now. Probably very close. I mean, I mean, we're kind of in it. Right? Like, what if, what if this week, what if this week we just said as a church, I'm not going to live life on my own terms. I'm going to look to the needs of others, especially the suffering. And we just said as a church, you know, to the degree that we can in small ways or medium or large ways, we'll just pick up, we'll pick up the pain and the suffering that's all over the university this week. Like we will not separate ourselves from it. We will not, we will not hold uncomfortable thoughts, feelings, or stories away from us, right? Like what if we just said, yo, those are ours to carry this week. That's, that's, that's ours to carry. Or, or what if you have a neighbor right now who is at the bottom and you just said, you know what, I'm, gonna, I'm not going to pretend like I don't know that anymore. And I'm just going to do the small thing. I'll tell you one story really quickly uh, and then we'll, we'll land. I, I love this story. Um, I have some friends. I have some friends and, and they have a neighbor who is like, 80, maybe older. And the guy's basically an invalid. And these two friends I have, they have almost nothing, right? They don't really have anything. Uh, and by the way, these friends I have, they're not the world's winners. They would be the world's losers. But what these friends do is they go and take care of their 80-year-old neighbor 
every day. They buy him cat food, and like three days a week, they make him dinner. And guess who knows about it? No one. And guess how many hand claps they've ever gotten? No one. But guess who is very, 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 very close to the kingdom of God? They are. Why? Because they, they don't live life on their own terms, and they haven't held the suffering of the world away from them. They've paid attention to the small, the medium, and the large things that are happening right there in their neighborhood and on their street. By the way, they've done this for years. They've literally done it for years. Literally done it for years. Sometimes I'm like, I don't even know if I'm a real Christian. I want to be that kind of person. So that's the invitation this morning to let go of living life on our own terms and to engage with the suffering of the world around us, especially that is those, those parts that are really close to us. So why don't we do this this morning? Why don't we stand? We're going to sing one more time. And then if you need to respond to this morning's message, there'll be some people up here who would love to pray for you. Thanks again for stopping by the podcast of the Vineyard Church in Campbellsville, Kentucky. If you'd like to keep up with what's happening at the Vineyard, you can follow us on social media. Until next time.